Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinvin, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing today, boys? Hey, boys. Glad to be back in the Raj. Nice taking a week off, get a little me time, a little uh, haircut for Webb, you know, a little self-care. That was a legit haircut. Great to be back, everybody, after a week off. Recharge the batteries a little bit. And yes, Webb got a haircut. Went to see his boy, Trev. So all is well. All's well here. Hope everybody's doing okay. Here we go. Yeah, great. So today we've got a classic movie. So we're in the, you know, we're going into October. We've got October baseball going on. The leaves are turning. That smells in the air. So what better than to take a stroll down memory lane with one of the all-time classic baseball movies with The Natural. Someday when people look at me, they'll say, there goes Roy Hobbs, the best there ever was. TriStar Pictures presents Robert Redford in The Natural, the story of a father and a son. You got a gift, Roy, but it's not enough. Of love. He means the world to me. And desire. I'm not waiting for true love to come along, Roy. A champion. A Roy Hobbs comes along once, maybe twice in everybody's lifetime. And his destiny. With or without the records. They'll remember you. Best there is now, and best there ever will be. I wouldn't bet against me. I already have. Robert Redford. Robert Duvall, Glenn Close, Kim Basinger, Wilfred Brimley, Barbara Hershey, Robert Prosky, and Richard Farnsworth as read. The Natural. Well, nothing goes better with baseball than beer, and as you know, every week we like to crap a couple cold ones, so it's time for our brew review. What we got going on today, Webb? Well, boys, this week uh, I thought I'd take a, a little bit of a detour from the uh, regular baseball beers and uh, get us back to the farm. Because, you know, just like Roy Hobbs says, there's nothing like a farm. So this week we decided to take it back to the farm and visit our friends at McKinnon Brothers Brewery Company for a pint of their Red Fox Ale. At 4.2%, this easy-drinking ale with its foxy citrus bitterness and distinct red colors and flavors from the addition of beets is sure to captivate you even before tasting the mild grain sweetness. For more tasting notes on this and all their other fantastic beers, be sure to check them out at uh, mckinnonbrewing.com. Give them a follow on Facebook, Twitter, at McKinnonBrew, and Instagram, at McKinnonBrewing. Or better yet, pay them a visit on the farm and check out all their great pints and merch. McKinnon Brothers Brewing Company, bound by brotherhood, brewed by tradition. As always, Big League Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and make sure you have yourself a safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Oh, cheers. Well read. Week off, eh? Week Week off. Batteries charged. Let's go. I'll start with you, JR. What do you got? Uh, Love this beer. Love this beer on tap, too. It's a great draft. Um, I'm going to take one more quick sip. Oh, yeah, that tastes fantastic. Uh, I'm going to go pretty high on this one. Local, good taste. Uh, it's a un- good, good, unique flavor to it. 
It doesn't taste like to me like a bunch of different other ones that I have. I'm gonna go uh, seven nine on this beer. I think it deserves it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I like the like like you mentioned. Like when you get into the fall time, I mentioned this before. Fall time, winter. I want to have some beers that have a little more body, a little bit more flavor. And this one does. It checks all the boxes. It's got that unique, uh, you know, as you mentioned, beets in it and stuff. And it gets that coloring. It has a really mm-hmm. nice coloring when you pour it into a nice glass. So. I agree. It's got a great tasting beer, good local beer for us. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven, eight. I'm gonna about to blow you both out of the water here. Okay. So this is your perfect date night beer. Ooh. This is the beer you can yeah. go out with with the wife, and you can order, and you don't look like a total cretin for ordering a beer. You know what I mean? You go to a fancy yeah. cocktail bar, and you get a beer, and you get this is the kind of beer you buy. Um, I love the lightness of it, but it, uh, because it drinks like a light beer, it goes down smooth like a light beer, but it's way more flavorful, right? Yeah. So it's not like your Coors Light or whatever. I haven't been hung over on it, but I can imagine that the hangover is probably not that bad. It seems a little bit more natural than a lot of the other beers. So yeah. uh, I might have to put that to the test tonight and try out a few, but I'm going real high on this one. I'm going eight, seven, cause I really wow. enjoy this one. Eight, seven. It's going to be seven. a big, big, big boy score this week. Big we, boy score. I think we might be, it's, it's time to start elevating some of our scores big you know? boy seven. score eight yeah. seven it's up that's there a good beer that's a good beer that's good a good you. score it's a big you, score man. that's a big, big boy step. score big that's big boy round. score for big boy beer mckinnon brothers get at us but the that's big a, boy beer read over here too that was a huge beer read tonight holy cow yeah I had to somebody's go. ready yeah Let's we had go. to get the mop. natural we had to get the mop out under my chair out there yeah the natural over here uh i'm a dwat so as we mentioned tonight we're doing the natural directed by barry levinson Distributed in 1984 by TriStar Pictures. Got a 7.5 rating on Internet Movie Database. 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $28 million and grossed $48 million at the box office. Music by Randy Newman, an absolute legend. Uh, starring Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, Glenn Close, and Kim Basinger. Uh, quick movie synopsis. An unknown middle-aged batter named Roy Hobbs with a mysterious past appears out of nowhere to take a losing 1930s baseball team to the top of the league in his magical sports fantasy. With the aid of a bat cut from a lightning-struck tree, Hobbs lives the fame he should have had earlier when a rising pitcher inexplicably shot by a young woman. So let's jump into our character review, and let's start out with our boy, Roy Hobbs, the natural himself, played by Robert Radford. All right, I'm going to start on Roy Hobbs. I had a lot of different things down here because he was such a dynamic character. Um, first of all, Robert Redford, what a great guy to play him. That to me is a movie star. The original Red Fox. Absolutely. He is the original Red Fox. One of the reasons we started with this idea, Webb came up with that idea too. Get a Red Fox for a Red Fox of a human being. Absolutely. Good call. Um, beer save. You saved the beer review this week. You really did. Yeah. He's on today. Because we weren't getting Schlitz. We wanted Schlitz because that was kind true. of the, the beer of the time for in a good New York beer. But I have for Redford or Roy Hobbs, sorry. A lot of different changes to him. At one point, he seems like so pure and so honest. But at the same time, we were talking earlier how he's trying to be the best there is, was, ever will be. Red Hitman Heart slogan or whatever it is. He's trying to figure it out. He has values and morals. But at the same time, he's kind of selfish. And at the same time, he's kind of destructive. So I found a lot of different layers to this guy. And I said to you guys earlier, I got a bit of a hot take on this guy. I have him as... The original Tim Riggins kind of character. Ooh, yeah. I know you could poke holes in it, but if you start to look at it, handsome as can be. Yeah. Actually, deep down, a really good human being and just wants a family and a life. 
and a natural athlete. And a natural athlete. Think about how much better Tim Reagans would have been if he'd committed himself. It's true. He was already a really good high school football player. He had the values. He had all these things. Mm-hmm. And if I, if you look at him, you're like, hmm, this guy, this guy's the self-destructive but good human being. But at the same time, morals, he's trying to look out for all sorts of different things, but ends up in trouble all the time. Yep. So I kind of came up with that. I also had a few things about him knowing some baseball and knowing the era and knowing Redford. I think he's about 86 years old now. Yep. Yep. And I looked at that and I said, okay, he's wearing nine. Okay. He's playing right field. Okay. He's batting left. Okay. Did so much Roger Maris influence on him. Ooh, I was going Teddy Williams. I was going to say then Teddy Baseball. his swing reminds me a little bit of Ted Williams as well because you saw some of that Ted Williams, that stubbornness of a Ted Williams and you know, some of that anger of a Ted Williams come yeah. out. But I thought of a lot of that Maris. And then you saw was very, it, very uh, good. Bump. Bump wearing seven. That's mantle all over it. And New York-based kind of stuff. That started to fly on me, Webb. So these kind of things started to kind of... All these things kind of came out of me that I couldn't really pin this guy. Mm-hmm. But I knew knowing Redford, knowing his age, knowing he knows something. He lived through that generation that there's a lot of influences on this guy from there withdrawn cantankerous uh, relationship with the media that was maris totally. during that you know during his stint in new york so totally. very good pickup there jr and you mentioned uh, i'm glad you mentioned ted williams as well because uh i did some digging and actually in in order to get ready for the movie redford spent quite a bit of time with ted williams and studying ted williams swing he tried to pattern his his swing after Ted Williams. The initial like almost weight transfer and hand movement, the initial hands of Redford coming through, is very Ted Williams. Very flat through the zone. Yeah, very so much so that I was like, that is Ted Williams to a T. But I saw a ton of Maris there. Mm-hmm. Jr. is getting on the next episode with A Rod, where they talk about hitting folks, and he's yeah, going to get sorry. you. He's going to get you in the zone. Well done, Jr. I like he it. Crush that, Jr. He is carrying the water tonight. Oh, I had Roy Hobbs, smooth operator. He, you already mentioned how ridiculously good looking it is, uh, and that is to me, it stands out no more so than the national anthem scene when oh, they're all yeah. standing there, and then every single other player on his team looks like they've been beaten to death with Wonder Boy. So, you know, <laughs> I like the, I like the Tim Riggins uh, comparison. I'm going to go a little out there, so bear with me. I'm also going to kind of compare him and his kind of journey in his life in the same kind of vein, totally different ve- avenues, but like he's kind of a Kanye West to me. Like he's kind of like a creative genius, right? Like he's his genius is his ability to play baseball and then something bad happens to him. In this case, his parent dies, his dad dies and he kind of loses his moral compass, right? Like his dad's mm-hmm. like, you know, like you gotta, you're, you're never gonna be, you're the natural, you got all this God-given ability, but you still gotta work for it and you still gotta do all these things the right way. And like, I see a lot of similarities with Kanye West kind of going downhill after his mom died and kind of getting batshit crazy and doing, making some really poor life choices. Right. Um, um, but at the same time, having a good heart and wanting to try and do some of their, you know, family things and that. So I, that it's funny. I just I kind of saw that like r- weird parallel and uh, yeah. a good pickup. Yeah, interesting. Anyways, James, I had a lot. Of, I saw a lot of Josh Hamilton in them. I know they had kind of different yeah things that yeah. kind of took them away from baseball. But different demons. Yeah, different demons. But like I just remember like Hamilton came up as such like a huge a huge uh, prospect, first overall pick. Yep. Kind of went away for a while, right? Obviously, we knew about his past with uh, substance abuse, and he had some issues when his, with his family growing up. But he comes back when he was like 28, maybe, or something, is when he kind of made his comeback. And he was, like, right away one of the top players in baseball. Had the, some, remember the home run derby, that big Oh, yeah, Yankee party? Stadium. Oh, God. And then he, yeah, and then he was just like, remember he had those the four-homer four homer game that year, and he was just unhittable, like, untouchable. 
he was so good that year and just kind of remind that season where he just blew up yeah. kind of reminded me of this season yeah, hamilton gives you too. that mystery too there was always a mystery to hamilton and you could see behind those eyes kind of like roy hobbs there's such a story and hamilton always had you could tell he was just fighting it all the time i think he used to go on the road did he was he not allowed to yeah. have dinner with like yeah there was a lot of things i think yeah. uh well, who's the second baseman i for, keep forgetting kinsler kinsler he, kinsler, kinsler yeah. kept him out of trouble a lot he was kind of like his like kept him on the straight and narrow That's yeah good. kinsler was i think I think he might have been like Christian and kind of pulled okay. the line pretty well. But, yeah, uh, this thing I thought you'd find interesting, JR, was uh, did you notice where Hobbs stood in the box when he went up? Yep. Right up tight and top of the box. Absolutely. I thought Love that was that pretty. that front line out of there. That's bringing big dick energy out there. Ah, <laughs> You're saying bring it, and uh, you can't throw the ball by me. You're not throwing any breaking pitches. Nope. I'm taking I'm just, that away. Yeah. Up in the box, wipe the front line away, and take away the curveball. Yeah, I thought that Bring was it. that was pretty cool. And the other thing about Ryan, I have to I have to confess that I, re- I first of all I didn't know there was a book, but then when I was doing some studying about it, we had that week off, so I actually was able to order the book off Prime and and pounded it out over the weekend. And it's going to be hard for me to sometimes differentiate because the book is quite a, it's there's a lot of similarities, but there's some really stark differences from the book. Uh, especially how Roy is kind of portrayed. So I'm trying to rem- remember, like, in the movie, he's done this way. But mm-hmm. it, one thing that he was in both, he's a horn dog. Roy is a horn dog. Like, yeah. any girl that comes by, he's all over, and he completely forgets about the other girl. You yeah. know what I mean? He, so he jumped, and he does that in the book. He jumps from girl to girl, and he's just, like, yep. so in love with one, and then he just jumps to another, and it's... He's got big dick energy in a different way. <laughs> he's got yeah. BD. Yeah, he's definitely got the BD ego. And he's got the, that's a little bit, I saw some of the Riggins in that too. Yeah, where he there is. you go. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I had on Roy. I think. Let's move on to Max Mercy, played by Robert Duvall. I'll write this one pretty quick. Just a greasy, greasy writer. Nice job by Duvall. Uh, good job. Great, great acting. Yeah, yeah, good, great acting. But that idea, that greasy writer looking for any kind of scoop and like, I know you when he's talking to him or he's, you know, the betting, the wisecracking, the smart mouth stuff. We've seen these writers. That's like the writer from uh, any given Sunday. Nothing's yep. changed in the theme. It's just the way the writing's done. But that is just a greasy guy looking for any angle he can get. And you feel like he's almost downgraded because, yeah, he was in Chicago, but that's the Chicago Cubs. And now he's with New York Knights of some sort. You know, it just feels like a downgrade from where he was before. They're like the second team in New York because the Yankees um, exist in this, at this time. Yeah. Uh, they talk about it in the book, but I think they reference them in the movie too. So, so are I they feel, supposed to be the Mets equivalent? Is that the um, idea? Before the New York Mets Giants? being the actual Mets or the New York yeah, Giants? Maybe, like, is yeah, that the kind Giants. of the idea? Yeah. I think the yeah, Giants, okay. yeah. That would so I just kind of saw that. a little bit of that. I was like, I just, I, I didn't like him. I liked Duvall, but I just did not like him. With- yeah, Duvall, I mean, Duvall is always a great secondary character in just about anything he does, right? Like, yes. whether it's Godfather, whether it's Days of Thunder, whether Hawk it's like, now. yeah, like amazing. Uh, secondary actor and character and i mean he i don't know if i've ever seen as him as the lead in anything where he's like really really good i'd have to go back and think about it a little bit more um but yeah jr i think you nailed it i mean to me it sums it up in the one line he's got right after today whether you're the goat or the hero you're going to make me a great story like that's all he cares about he is all about me he is all about what you can do for me um and so you know he's really really trying you know when he's sneaking in there at the ballpark to take try and take pictures during his bp or whatever uh you know he's just a scumbag in a lot of ways he's brooksy though he's he a little bit of a brooksy he got beat yeah. up at the bus stop yeah beat up at the bus stop <laughs> yeah no you guys nailed it uh, i don't have really much else to add on that uh, I, I am gonna ask though one thing what did you think of his umpiring skills 
Oh, in the oh. first one. <laughs> a couple of those pitches looked eh, maybe a little inside, but... Overall, yeah, he was a little dodgy on that too. I'm not gonna lie to you. A little yeah. bit of a, a little bit of a soft purse there, standing that far back. Get in yeah. there, come on, get in there tight. Get when in there. Roy's got on, pinpoint control. Money's on the line. Yeah, lots on the line. Get, get in the there. whammer. Yeah, that's again though speaking mm. to you know me, me, me. Let's move on to Iris Gaines, played by Glenn Close. I don't got much on Iris. She's a handsome lady. She's very I, I, big jaw. Yeah, I, I mean, I was looking for the Adam's apple, and I often am with Glenn Close. Sorry to cut you off. Does she creep you? Does Glenn, and I'm not talking about Iris, I'm talking about Glenn Close. Glenn Close creeps 100%. me out. Yeah, she's Cruella DeVille in one of those 101 Dalmatians movies. Yeah, even yeah. before I saw that, I think I saw a movie from the 80s. It might have even been this one, but I remember the first time I saw Glenn Close, it's almost like a traumatic event. You know, things stick out in your childhood? <laughs> I was, she creeped the hell out of me, and it's never gotten out of my mind. I think she's a fantastic actress, but yeah. she just doesn't do it for me as like a leading lady that he would be like head over heels in love with. It, you know what, you it know doesn't what it do is? it for me. Sorry, I don't know. It's her eyes. I just figured it out. Her eyes. You know how people like when they when they get happy, their eyes change. When they get angry, their eyes change. Her eyes don't change ever. They're just like these like piss holes in snowbank or something. Like it's just <laughs> her you know? face doesn't show much. No, she's very stoic all the time. She's yeah. Reading, man. And I had some things written down for her. I wrote as a character. I had that she was really pure and she was the proper ground that he needed. But yeah. that scene where she's sitting in the light at Wrigley Field, I think it was Wrigley Field, he hits the clock with the bomb there, yeah. hits the home run with the clock. Yeah. She was necessary and she was important and she was what he needed, but she wasn't my favorite character in the story either. No. Uh, Glenn Close, I take her leave as well. I. Probably I'll give her. you leave. I think I'll give you. I'll give her this. She definitely has like a presence on camera. It's very different in the book. In the story, he it's his like high school girlfriend that he knocks up, and for whatever reason, he doesn't see her for years, and, and then like, and runs the, away from her intentionally, I, or what? Who knows, right? That's the thing in the movie. You just really don't know what happens in those fifteen years. No. The book actually does explain more. In the in the book, there is an Iris, like an Iris Gaines character, but this person is just somebody that Roy meets later. In his life, she stands up at the game and kind of helps him turn things around in a way. But in the book, she's supposed to be somebody that kind of pulls him out of, like, corruption and making bad decisions and tries to, like, show him you can have a better life. You don't have to be dominated by this desire to be the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And it, so it's a different – she's a different character in the book. She kind of does that in the movie. But the book, it was – I don't know. It was just – I kind of like the way it was done in the book a little bit better. But mm -hmm. – Let's move on to Memo Paris, played by Kim Basinger. That low self-esteem, just low life of a human being. I had her at that. She was beautiful. Nice job by Kim Basinger. Again, we're talking the character, of course. Um, and yeah, she's beautiful. But I had her just as lost, at risk, low self-esteem. She was all those things of that 19, you know, early, pre-1950s, the trying to that whole look caught up in the wrong people, caught up in the wrong town, in the wrong place, and leading a life that is just going to end up being a disaster for her. I have her as the 1930s, 40s equivalent of Kim Kardashian, or any mm -hmm. Kardashian for that matter. She basically pl platoons Roy's batting streak when she gets involved, um, similar to how the Kardashians kill every NBA player. Or Rihanna? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like there's there's that curse there, so that's that's kind of like when I was trying to like kind of think about what she is. Again, she doesn't have a whole lot of depth to her. No. Um, I'm still. This will be, I guess, in my final wrap up, so I'll save some of it. But I just I don't understand 
the connection she has with the judge and with whatever the other guy's name, Gus, I think was his yeah, name, yeah. The, the bookie guy. I don't understand that connection if she's supposed to be the niece of Pop. And there's this like weird tension between like there was just there's some story flaws there that yeah. I don't understand. And yeah, I don't know. She doesn't offer a whole lot for me. I mean, she's nice to look at. It's Kim Basinger. Um, <laughs> she's, you know, nine and a half weeks. Like, let's get her in front of a refrigerator. But yeah. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. This character in particular, eh, Jim? Yeah. No, I agree with you, Webb. Um, I don't have any sympathy for it all. Um, I didn't like her in the movie as like, I, I shouldn't, I mean, I think the character was great because there's that, Roy's drawn to her because he's a horn dog, and but you know she's bad news. Like, you know right from the get-go she's bad news. There's something bad's going to happen with her. In the book, and you talk about, I and I agree with you, Webb, I don't like how it's written that she's Pop's niece. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it would have made more sense if it was like the judge's granddaughter. Yes. That makes way more yes. sense. You know? Yeah. That to me that would have been a much better tie in, yeah. like you're saying. Um she's pure evil. Like she's she's in it for herself, just like uh a lot of people are actually, like Max Mercy. Everybody mm-hmm. seems to be in it. Even Roy, they're all in it for themselves, yeah. right? Hundred percent. You know, even Pop, even Pop's the only guy that maybe isn't, we'll get to him later, is is Red. Yeah. Uh but it's she's just not she's not a likable character she's in it she in the book she actually admits to roy like i need money and then roy becomes obsessed with making money that's what it becomes in the book but she's like i can't be with you if you're guy if you're just gonna be a regular guy so it's like she is a, a self-proclaimed gold digger she doesn't know right she's a say that in the movie but it's implied yeah. you know so yeah i'm not a big fan of her as it i think kim basinger did a great job and it's mm-hmm. a good character to have in there as you know just to that person, I just didn't like her. Yeah, but I don't understand her in the story. No. Yeah, the context of the story. Let's move on to Pop Fisher, played by our boy, Wilfred Brimley. I don't know about you boys, but when I was watching this, uh, every time he was on the screen, I wanted to go get a big bowl of Quaker oatmeal. <laughs> Which brings me to this. You know, when I was a kid and got a hold of a nickel, I thought I was rich. I didn't turn up my nose at pennies either. Today, some folks won't even bend to pick them up. Well, here's a bowl of steaming Quaker oatmeal. And I can't think of a healthier way to start the day. Cost you one nickel and four pennies. So if you can't be bothered with nickels and pennies, throw them in a jar. Start an oatmeal fund. Quaker Oats. It's the right thing to do. Not too expensive either. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) You heard them, boys and girls. Eat your oatmeal. Otherwise, (laughs) otherwise you get diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) Diabetes. (laughs) Diabetes. <laughs> okay. Uh, another another case of somebody who's really just got his own personal self interest at heart wants to win the pennant more than anything else. I don't understand. I I still want to know what the is he is are we to believe that he lost market or money in the, like the stock market crash of twenty nine? Like I don't understand what the 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 side hustle is that he loses all this money to that he ends up selling half of his stake to the judge. Um, I, I don't know. I don't understand the idea of like the, the manager owning the team. That seems kind of far fetched to me too. I don't get that, but, uh, him as a character, you know, he, he's pretty, he's pretty overall. He seems like a pretty good dude. You know, I like the scene where he's shaving there and, and they have the, that moment with Hobbs. It's a pretty good one, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Jordan. I had him also though, as like your classic old, old manager. 
we're just crusty and grumpy and angry. And I don't even know why you're here anyway. Those kind of lines, those are the kind of lines you said today. Someone would cry. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. You'd be, the media would go nuts on you, the things he's saying. Um, I thought that once you were one of his quote unquote guys, he's fiercely loyal to you in the end. He wants you to succeed. But he's one of those guys that is such a crusty, crusty individual. But I also had that, that he got a, had a great toss. When he got tossed on that call, that yeah, was a great ejection for him. I was Legit. like, that's a proper manager yep. coming out at that point. And the way he's talking, and then when he's talking to Red on the bench early about the most random things, I was saying to my wife who was going by, she's like, who is that? I'm like, that's the manager, the oatmeal guy. And the things he talks about just puts me back in memories of having managers talking about, like I've said before on this podcast, nothing to do with the game right now. And they're complaining about their back, their house, their car. Wants what, to be a farmer. Wants yeah. to be a farmer. Some other job they should be doing when they can retire. It Literally anything but the game at this point. And those are the kind of guys that just make baseball the way that sometimes in our head we want it to be again, Jim. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I loved him. I thought he was awesome. Uh, and I loved all those pieces that you talked about those those old cantankerous uh, managers but they always had that little soft spot and they would always go to bat for their guys yeah you know like i would run through a fence for a guy like that no pun intended there bump but <laughs> <laughs> sorry bump no i i really liked him i thought he was great uh i love that scene where he's you know obviously they're in a big slump and when roy first shows up and he's pacing back and down he's griping about everything he's griping about how he should have been a farmer and he's like i like chickens I like hens. Mm-hmm. I like cows. You know, I think he's just <laughs> rhyming all this stuff off randomly. Because if you're sitting on the bench there and you hear him just spewing stuff, just you know, it's still hitting you, even though he's not talking. You're like, oh god, I got to start getting my shit together. So I hundred percent. I really like the message. when he's drinking the water too. That makes me laugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't even get good water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's he's like, like Lou Brown in that. You know, yeah. like some Casey Stengel was in yeah. there. I'd oh, say yeah. there's some Casey Stengel influence nice. for sure nice. in there from back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into some other notable characters. Let's do a quick stop in on uh, Harriet Bird, who pl- was played by Barbara Hershey. So she's the one that shot Roy in the beginning. What was uh, your take on her? I'm going to go on back to the crazy scale web, and I'm putting her up in pretty high up in that crazy scale era. Um, I don't know. She, I, I never got a good read on her. Oh. I don't know what's up. She I really creeped me didn't. out from the beginning. 100%, and I don't get it. For new listeners to the pod, the scale that JR is referring to is the Stacy Mendoza hot crazy scale from How I Met Your Mother. So what he is inf- or what is he inferencing, you may ask? He's simply stating that the more attractive that this girl is, that's why she's crazy batshit. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to add. She was kind of creepy. I'm still kind of tossing around the idea of why that whole story is part of this story i did again i know there's some kind of realism aspect to it that you're going to talk about james i'm not going to cut your grass here but um (laughs) yeah it's i just i don't know i didn't have much on her to be quite honest i thought she was super weird um and creepy and i wouldn't have gone near with a 10-foot pole yep i wrote down one thing about her quickly i just wrote literally onion equals layers so yeah. there's a lot of layers. Oh, there's a lot of layers. Yeah, absolutely. She's got to pass some, obviously, right? There's some. Yeah. There's a reason she's like yeah. the way yes. she is. Uh, let's move on to the judge, played by Robert Prosky. Pure owner, bad guy in sport. He did a great job being the bad guy of sport. The cigars, yeah. the no lights, the you know the blackmail. He just was evil. He just reminded you of like the big bad Yankee, so to speak, or somebody from back in the day who's just the all powerful human being, kind of bullying their way to get to what they want. 
And he did an excellent job of just representing the big bad owner as a foil to someone like Pop, who's more lovable, or Hobbs, or trying to be somewhat moral. I thought that it was a great character, to be honest. I think mm. the movie really needed a pure, like, that's a bad guy, so yeah. to speak, in the movie. I, did, I, I liked him. I, I really did. Yeah, he's really good. He's no Mr. Lundy like he is in Mrs. Doubtfire. But um, <laughs> what about Rudy? Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Love him and Rudy. Forgot. Yes. He likes the scotch. He likes the scotch in this one too, though. So uh, he he's sketchy. He's really bizarre. I don't understand the whole sitting in the dark thing all the time. That's kind of weird. I think it's supposed to kind of draw towards like the the themes of like a vampire. Oh, okay, so he's a bloodsucker. Is that the idea? Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Like sure yeah. Parasite, bloodsucker, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, I get yeah, that. Makes sense. That's good. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything over the top for me. He was okay. I, he, he needed the other kind of characters there, uh, the dad from Christmas Story, whatever his name is, Gus. <laughs> he needed him there to uh, to kind of legitimize him to me as a bad guy. Yeah, that's his tie to the underworld. Yeah, the muscle. Uh, let's move on to Red Blow, played by Richard Farnsworth. Fantastic name for a character. He, he I mean, we were talking about some of the characters who are uh, pretty selfish in this one. He's probably the only guy that isn't, right? He's selfless. All he cares about is getting popped that pennant. Great duster. I love when he takes when he takes Hobbs out and like he's kind of trying to get it about you know info, pump him for information about who he is and everything about him. And then he just says like, "Great food, eh?" Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I had some of that same stuff. Web. I had old school duster class. I love when he took him out to dinner. Yes. To me, did you not feel like back in the day you wanted to be a player in New York going out to Italian oh, yeah. restaurants after dinner? and you could Shore or whatever. Head down to Mulberry Street. And yeah. just go out after have, you know, because you played afternoon games back then. So you finish at five and go out and have a great Italian meal yep. and some wine and just hang out all evening. Be that puts you in that spot where you're like, I just wished I lived back then and did that job. Yeah. He was the one guy that made you really feel and start to give you that look of playing baseball at that era. Yeah. And Red knew how to treat the young guys. Yes. yes. He was the perfect bench coach slash, you know, assistant coach if you're going to talk about hockey or basketball or whatever. Yeah. And I really like, like, he's the guy that always, if Pop's going to come in and kind of kick up the storm, he's the guy who's going to pick the boys up. Absolutely. And you need to have that. Those that, That's like the good tandem to have as you're on your coaching staff. You got that good cop, bad cop stuff going sometimes, so... I thought he was awesome. He's probably my favorite guy in the whole movie. He was pretty cool. Any other characters you want to touch on? I had one. Uh, Gus. We referenced him a lot. Yes. So watching this, I started to get kind of a look at Gus and started of a thought process on him. You know what Adam Pegged has? Uh, Albert Rothstein from back in the day, the guy who fixed the 1919 World Series. Yeah. He gave yeah. me that feel of, remember AR on Boardwalk Empire? He's prevalent in that movie or that TV show. I think it was Albert Rothstein. I might have his name. If I have his name wrong, I apologize. But he reminded me of the guy who fixed the 1919 World Series, the big gambling. He could all obsessed with gambling all the time and would always take risks and things like that. So I kind of pegged him as that. And I, he was really, to me, really important too with the judge as a counter with the judge. Anyway, yeah. that's what I had. He did a phenomenal job. Oh yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like he, you were creeped out by him, and you hated him, and like he did. It, he embodied everything you wanted from that character. Totally did. The only other guy that stood out to me uh, was on Roy's team as well. I don't know if you guys caught this, but uh, Joe from Dumb and Dumb. Yes, oh, yeah. the bad guy, Mike, Dumb and Dumb. Mike Star. <laughs> yeah, kills are good. I, I, I'm like. 
that's Joe from Dumb and Dumber. And my wife's like, what? I'm yeah. like, never mind. The gas man. Yeah, the gas man. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are professionals. You know I got gas. <laughs> Those are good. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to touch on uh, Michael Madsen's character with uh, Bump Bailey. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned a JR. He's, uh, he's, he really does have a lot of mantle-esque type things about his game aside from his number seven in the book actually he's a lot more likable and he and in in the book he's actually written in as somebody that roy is obsessed with trying to live up to his bump was actually really revered by all the teammates in the book so when he dies it leaves a big hole and roy is kind of standoffish and it takes a while for the team to really like him and and also in the book memo that was her boyfriend and she was like head over heels for bump and nobody lives up to bump and everything was about bump she like mourned for five days and roy really wanted memo really bad like he chased her everywhere and she wanted nothing to do with him so he was constantly living in in the shadow of bump's ghost in the book it's not really portrayed like that in the movie. There's a little, you know, mm-hmm. he comes in and obviously bumps the star, but then Bump doesn't give a shit. So Bump becomes jealous and Roy's, you know, kind of doesn't look back at that point. But in the book, it's a lot different. Um, let's jump ahead to some quotes. Are there any quotes that stood out for you? I got one that I liked. It was, it's kind of, it speaks to the charm, I guess you could say, of Roy when he's on the train there and uh, whatever the, what was that girl's name? Harriet Bird, uh, where she's quoting the, the Homer poetry to him. And, mm-hmm. uh, she's like, do you know Homer? And he's the only Homer I know has four bases. Like, yeah. you know, it's just that, aw shucks down, down south, aw podung, like mentality. Like yeah. it just, it speaks to who he is. So I had that one as one of mine. Uh, I had a couple. I had two. So I went with, uh, I have one from Red and one from Roy. So it's another one when they're out to dinner when he's at the Italian restaurant. Can't spell it, but it eats pretty good. Yeah, yeah. that was a good one. That was a great I quote. Like and you, he's just so genuine the way he's talking and the suit and everything, the whole scene. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. The other one was one <laughs> that I had said to me back in the day, I was a bat boy for a team. Then I said it to saw a kid once, and I couldn't believe I said it. Go pick me out a winner, Bobby. Yes. <laughs> I had to get a guy a bat when I was like in the fourth grade or something. I was being a bat boy for a softball nationals or something. A guy on Vanc- Victorium Express, they were called or something, said, go pick me out a winner, Bobby. And then we were playing. That's I was awesome. playing in Winnipeg one time or something. I had to get a bat boy. We had some like mosquito kid as our bat boy. Go pick me out a winner, Bobby. As soon as I said it, I'm like, I'm a loser. <laughs> I just love it because he's like, He's, he has so much swagger and he's so handsome. It's such a big moment and he just rolls it out real, you know, smooth. I like, I love that. Part and of Bobby it. pretty much stands in the box. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that's like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, hey, kid, get, get out, out of the way. The, yeah, you're going to want to move with Bobby. <laughs> I love his name too, Bobby. Of Bobby. course, his name is Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> I liked uh, one too, it was an exchange between Iris and Roy. And it's like, uh, you know, I believe we have two lives. And how do you mean by that, Roy says, and Iris says, the life we learn with and the life we live with after that. I thought that was a pretty good line. That is a good deep. That's pretty deep. I also had uh, another exchange between Roy and Iris. Roy says, I could have been better. I could have broke every record in the book. And then Iris says, and then what? And then Roy's like, and then, and he's kind of like choked up. And he's like, and then when I walked through it down the street, people would have always looked and said, hey, there goes Roy Hobbs, the best there ever was in the game. So... It shows like his obsession with recouping all of that glory he should have had mm-hmm. if it weren't for his accident, you know. So this one is a Pop Fisher line that I loved. Bump Bailey pops one up or something, or no, he, he drops a fly ball and he goes, uh, 
<laughs> after missing the fly, he goes, I lost it in the sun as he's coming back into the dugout. And then Pop Fisher doesn't even look at him. He just looks up at the clouds and he goes, it's like a cloudy sky. There's no sun. And he goes, <laughs> blinding. <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know, he's like so exasperated with these guys oh, and yeah. their lack of effort, right? Uh, another one was uh, <laughs> when he's on the bench and <laughs> everything's going wrong. Like they're like, I think the guy gets hit in the nuts and then they're like booting <laughs> balls and running into each other and like Pop's losing his mind. And then Red in the middle of it all, <laughs> after a really shitty exchange at second base, goes, kind of a bad play there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And like Pop's like throwing his hat in the dirt and stuff. He's just like losing it. Um, is there seriously anything funnier than or not uh, funnier than when someone gets dinged in the nuts like <laughs> football like, and groin yeah. football and groin man gets hit in groin with football <laughs> hit him in the groin that's awesome and one uh, last one that stood out for me was at the end when max is just in roy's ear again after everything's all said and done like harping on like trying to find the negative as always right and roy says did you ever play ball max and then max just like standing there like he has no answer right like yeah. clearly didn't play that was good acting, that yeah. scene between the two. Those yeah. are two great actors. That's heavy great scenes. right there. They did that's, a good job. That was pretty well done, yeah. yeah. Let's jump into some little-known facts. So, the filmmakers scouted the country for a stadium to use in the game scenes, and they needed something nondescript with a pre-World War II feel, because they were shooting in the 80s, right? And they found it in Buffalo's War Memorial Stadium. <laughs> that's pretty funny. It always <laughs> comes back to Buffalo. What, like, seriously, is there a arena or stadium or anything in upstate New York that isn't the War Memorial? It, it's true. I don't true. think so. When I, when like, I, every every town has a War yeah. Memorial Stadium. When, yeah. when I used to go up, we used, when I was in the East Coast League, we used to go up and play uh, in Johnstown. They were uh, they played at the War Memorial Arena. Of course they did. Yep. Syracuse has a War Memorial. Syracuse has the War Memorial. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Chick DeWangda has one? Oh, yeah. Okay. They probably go there, and then they, when they finish up their game, they go down to the anchor bar and get some wings. Love you, Buffalo. Stay classy. <laughs> so pro wrestler Bret Hart actually took his catchphrase, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be from this movie, which kind of makes sense. Yep. Yeah, it does. The movie was based, as I mentioned, on the 1952 novel by Bernard Malamud called The Natural. Malamud based his baseball tale on the story of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table seeking the Holy Grail. So there's a lot of parallels. I... It had been a long time since I'd read anything on that, so I had to go back and kind of look at some of the references. But if you think about it, Roy, so in a lot of languages, Roy translates to king, right? Roy takes his bat, Wonder Boy, from an oak tree that was struck by lightning, just as Arthur pulls the sword Excalibur from the stone. Pop Fisher is is the wounded Fisher King throughout this story. Like, he's kind of got, he's down on his luck. He's a guy He's like, he needs somebody to pull mm-hmm. a butter to win for him, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Roy who has the wound that will not heal. There's the Lady Without Mercy who gives Roy Hobbs his wound. So that's Harriet Burton. Harriet. Um, he rallies the Knights of the Round Table to be the best in the land. So, and the team is named the Knights. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of things drawn to the King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. So Nice. Whoa. Shoeless Joe Jackson was also an inspiration for the character of Roy Hobbs. Particularly, and that, and that makes sense really, right? When Roy's getting pulled in different directions trying to throw the game. Yeah. Uh, particularly Jackson's connection to the Black Sox scandal. So this can be seen when the judge attempts to bribe Roy to throw the game. Also, like Shoeless Joe, uh, Hobbs has a special name for his bat. The scenario of a crazed woman shooting Roy was actually based on an actual event. In 1949, a disturbed young woman named Ruth Ann Steenhagen became obsessed with Philly's first baseman, Eddie Waitkiss. 
The 19-year-old Steenhagen demanded that her mother set a place at the table for her favorite player every night and taught herself how to speak Lithuanian because his parents had emigrated from there. In a case uh, the the, the FBI (laughs) would refer to as textbook example of stalking, Steenhagen shot Wakis with a rifle in a hotel room in Chicago. He would gradually recover and return to the majors while she would spend some time in a mental institution. Oh, boy. Yeah. This was pretty cool. I thought this was a really, and it would have been a neat thing to to go through, but in 2001, Bill Simmons from ESPN Magazine compiled uh, Roy Hobbs' 1939 rookie season stats, taking cues from the movie. His line would have looked something like this. Games played 115, at bats 400, runs 92, hits 104, home runs 44, RBIs 106, batting average 350. How are you? Hobbs struck out 85 times and walked 75, and he was 35 years old in that rookie season. So I thought it was pretty cool that he compiled that. He was able to compile that. That's I'm not pretty sure neat. How he did it, but that's quite a season. What is it, so how many games are you, does he base that on? Like uh, what's the season based on at that point? That time, that time was because there wouldn't be nearly as many teams. I'm just curious. Wasn't 162? It was 156. Because okay. that so was what a lot. Yeah, 156. It's a lot. Because in uh, it was in 1960. I think they went from 156 games to 162 because that's where the asterisk came for Maris's. Uh, oh right. Maris's oh, okay. home run record right, right, right. versus because uh, Tennessee Landis, Judge Landis, or whoever the guy was that was the commissioner of baseball. Oh. Yeah, I know. I yeah, we'll look him up after. I know yeah. which guy you mean too. I think his nickname was Tennessee Landis um, something. Anyway, yeah, I, I told I he was the guy that was either. like he didn't want Maris to get the record because you know he's a Ruth guy or whatever. So, um, in the hospital, the judge gives Roy twenty thousand to throw the game. If adjusted for inflation, this amount would have been equivalent to three hundred fifty-two thousand in today's standards. So it's a pretty good chunk of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real life, Robert Redford was a high school classmate of L.A. Dodgers great Don Drysdale. That's wow, cool. that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Imagine the two of them walking down the halls. I My think God. they had to do Because he was a handsome guy, A couple too. Letterman jackets on, those guys walking through the hallways. They'd be flooding basements. Oh, God. Yeah, they're they'd doing be, all right. The janitors had their work cut out from the halls <laughs> yeah. there, right? Put the mop out. <laughs> um, the film cast includes three Oscar winners. So Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, and Kim Basinger. And three Oscar nominees, Glenn Close, <laughs> Barry, Barbara Hershey, and Richard Farnsworth. Looker. <laughs> Robert Redford was 47 at the time of filming. Guess how old uh, Wilfred Brimley was? 61. 49. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about this, the, the age difference between what? my wife and I, between him and Kim Two Kim years Senior. difference between Robert Redford and uh, Wilfred Brimley. Brimley's two years wow. older than Robert Redford. Wow. He was just 49. <laughs> like the scenes that he's doing with Kim Basinger at the time, they're like 23 years apart. Really? Yeah. It's wild. That's Robert Redford, though. I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. In the book, actually, one of the differences is uh, the big, you know, they have the big Hollywood ending, the dramatic mm-hmm. thing. In the book, he actually strikes out. And that's that's the end of it. So he strikes out. He has this. He buries Wonder Boy in the ground. Everybody leaves. He gets in this big fight with uh, the judge. He goes up to his place. There's the judge, Gus, and Memo, and they're all like, they're going to give Roy his take money because he actually, in the book, he actually takes the money. He's going to throw it. But then he's like has some inner quarrel, and he's not going to throw it at, at some time. And then he goes up for his last at bat, and he ends up striking it anyways. So he ends up throwing it, so to speak. And uh, he goes up there, and he loses his marbles and like beats up Gus and he beats up the judge and 
and he like slaps memo around and then he goes out in the streets after and he's walking down the streets and everybody thinks he's a bum and he's not recognizable anymore and he just the book ends and that's the end of his story he he goes back to obscurity and he's not the best there is the best there was and best there ever will be so it's really a sad ending in the book but in the movie they said we're going to do a happy ending because mm-hmm. people like happy endings so they had him hitting the home run so in the we see that so they it was always written that it was going to be in there um but they're figuring out we have to make this an epic finish so how do we top that so he says Okay, it goes over the fence. No, it goes over the bleachers. And then the crew visited the fictional New York Knights home stadium, which was the War Memorial in Buffalo, which had a towering light stand behind the bleachers and right. It became clear that the ball needs to go into the lights, Johnson said. Uh, So we used a cannon and aimed the ball at the lights. It took two long nights to get the film seen uh, in near freezing temperatures, and the excitement wore off pretty quick, Johnson said. Every hour we would raffle something off to the extras in an effort to keep everybody in their seats as long as possible. At a certain point, people said, unless you're raffling a small Italian sports car, I'm out of here. And they started walking off the side. <laughs> <laughs> what about an open tab at Anchor Bar? There you yeah. go. Would that work? Or- Great scene. I prefer the one uh, Homer at bat in the episode of The Simpsons where they do the same thing, but uh, <laughs> he gets carried around the bases because he's leaned into one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Let's jump into our realism review. Was the movie realistic? Did it do justice to the sport? Okay, so I had a few things written down. I'll move pretty quickly on these. But so realism, I had using trains, that idea that trains is the best. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome, traveling on trains. I wrote down Babe Ruth had his own train car, and I went through roommates on there all the time. You couldn't keep up with them. True. The idea of pure, how pure it is, the uh, the romantic, sorry, the romantic aspect is really very true. Where he builds in this, mm-hmm. uh, in the Cubs, that's pure Midwest farmer going to play for the Chicago Cubs or yeah. try out in Chicago. That's like the mecca of the Midwest, so to speak, coming from the farm. Yeah. Uh, barnstorming in the carnivals, that's back in the day. That happened all the time. Whammer coming, touch to the whammer. He's hitting BP, all that kind of stuff. That ha- that was very legit. Babe Ruth did all that stuff too. I was going to say the whammer's a Babe Ruth rip off, right? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. They went into New Brunswick. They used to come into New Brunswick, the barnstorming people, and take on. This is, you know, the great pitcher and two players with them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Pops is an old manager and his quotes. He's all over the place, uh, fighting when being sent down back in the day. She didn't want to go back down to whatever the lower league was because if that's how, you know, that the major leagues was so the, much better. The Great Lakes League, wasn't that? Where yeah, he was going to. Which was a real league. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, the Great Lakes League for a team. The ads on the outfield walls are fantastic. They make you think of that. Uh, I had all the numbers. There's obviously that connection. We talked about that earlier, the seven, the nine. I didn't see a five for DiMaggio. I thought I might have saw a five somewhere. Maybe mm. there was. I didn't see one. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Who was the center fielder, Flores or somebody? He might have been Yeah, he been five. A um, couple things. that. So those were some of the things I just threw down for the real aspect of it. I know there's lots of stuff that's not the same. Um, making your own bat. I've tried to make my own bat once, and I had the worst vibes in BP vibrations. <laughs> oh. Essentially, vibes are vibrations <laughs> that you get and batting practice, and I, it hurt so bad in my thumbs that I never did that again. Yeah. Um, the uh, the old man catching a hard throwing guy would die with no gear on when Hobbs is throwing you know 100 mile an hour fastballs oh, at the whammer. Him. Like good luck with that. He's going. You're gonna get hit, and you're gonna die. Essentially, I had the 16 years later. I think you guys were gonna talk about that a little bit. In the gap, the the blooper reel, a team would never be that bad in the major. There's leagues. no way a guy's looking at a stand that gets hit in the nuts. In I'm the sorry. major league. It's not no, happening. No. 
I know they're allowed to be bad, but like, come yeah. on. Maybe a foul tip. Yeah, that happens, of course. Or yeah. really bad hop, but like yeah. bumping into each other, the way that like br- uh, uh, bump is dropping the ball, that doesn't happen. Yeah. They're yeah. that good. They don't make those mistakes. Very yeah. Mickey Mouse, yeah. Okay, yeah. The busting the guts out of the ball, it doesn't happen. Except for Benny. It's a different story for a different day. Uh, I had how easy it was to steal the signs that Houston would never need a game plan to steal the ah. signs because it's so blatant. Like Carrera. So Alex Carrera, Bregman, all these scumbags, it wouldn't be hard for you guys. No, no L screen during BP. That's insane. Yeah. L screens where you oh, hide God, behind yeah. them. Like there's no way you don't have some sort of protection. And one of the other ones that I had is why did the coach wait till it's 2-0 and to bring in a lefty to face Hobbs? As soon as I watched the movie, I'm like, why is a lefty not coming in to face this guy immediately? A hard-throwing yeah. lefty to come in? Those are some of the stuff I had. That's one, a good point. One more for the realism I had is, you know, the batter-pitcher combo, the Babe Ruth idea. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that one. People think it, obviously. But mm-hmm. anyway, those are some of the ones I had. Uh, go ahead. You nailed them. I, that was my yeah. one going to be my one question to you. And again, this is my own ignorance, so I'm, I'm deferring to you too. Is that legal? for Like, he starts, he starts in a bat. Uh, with one pitcher, and then he brings in the other guy. Yeah. He brings that big cord for, in the middle of an at-bat. I thought uh, you had to finish that guy. I thought there had to be an injury. No. Okay. Yeah, this is, yeah. I, oh, yeah. 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 I thought you had to finish the batter. I brought a kid in once uh, on uh, – this is insane. Uh, I, <laughs> this is nuts. We brought a kid in once when it was 3-0, and he struck the guy out. Really? It was insane. Oh. I don't know how he did it. The guy had nerves of steel. Cheers to that guy, and we won the game. Well done. Yeah, I don't. We it was probably a mistake on our part. We probably fell asleep, but we did that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, I I I didn't have a whole lot to add. J, or Jr. You kind of you carried the water on that one again. I think I only have one thing, Dad, and that was just the uh, the funky deliveries that a lot of the pitchers had, where they do the, the the Paul Bird, the double swings. I love that. You know, I love that stuff. And uh, and the way the players feel at their positions with the two hands and the crow hops. Yeah. Uh, sorry. One other one that I had. So this got me thinking because they beat my beloved Cardinals in 04. The Kurt Schilling bloody sock thing again. Yes. Was yeah. this off the natural again where people think it was fake and those real? I don't know. I think it was probably real. But the bloody sock, was this from the natural? I would have said it was real when I, when I didn't hate Schilling. Now I don't like him. So I'm saying he faked it. Just went in and spread a little ketchup on there, a little ketchup packet in the clubhouse. Anything. Took a, it took it a dog, a took a dog out of Poppy's mouth and threw a little ketchup down there on his. Looked a little no. too heavy and He's clean. He's so attention-seeking okay. too. I'm yeah. like, you literally would just go to the natural, buy a blood capsule like of high value, like a good whatever. You have the money to buy it, so you could do it. He's got like narcissistic personality disorder for sure, so I could see him doing it. You want to jump into unrealistic stuff here, boys? The unrealistic okay. stuff. I think I said most of my my piece on that. I mean. I'll just say a couple yeah. of things. So Bump's death was just stupid. Like running oh, into the yeah. wall and then he's just dead. The Vancouver Canadian guy in AAA did that and he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the guy well, not even that. The wall fell over. That would lessen the blow. If the wall goes with you, yeah. it would well, lessen your blow. And then on that top of true. that, the, the ceremony of the flyover with the ashes <laughs> being thrown. Like if <laughs> you were a fan in the stands, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> no, thanks. That. Yeah. Don't worry about the COVID. We got the ashes <laughs> flying down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like and but it was written in the books i know they were trying to say, but if i were redoing the movie i would have just traded the guy you know what i mean oh like, yeah just trade the guy just yeah ship him out that yeah. was that part was horrible well and the other thing too the i guess uh, uh, the thing that said when he when he comes out when redford comes out and calls out basically the pitcher he calls time and then he comes to the mound and calls out the pitcher for throwing the right. game like again 
that's not happening. And, and yeah. it sure as hell is not going to be like just swept under the like the manager's going to see that there and be like, what the hell? Yeah. Manager's going to come out and like actually tear a strip. Your right them. fielder jugs in. Yeah, the top? yeah. that's Th- pretty bush like. Think yeah. about during that time though, because like the guys weren't making a ton of money. They would have been on the probably a lot of guys. On, it was a lot more prevalent, right? Those managers must have been stressed all the time. Anybody would, that went into a slump, they'd be like, "Are they on the take? Are they? You know what I mean? Like, of course, they must have been distressed about that all the time. Uh, I had Roy hitting the cover off the ball. It's just hokey. Yeah, and then the guy picking it up and he goes, "This isn't a ball. We want a ball." I'm like, okay, buddy. Oh, yeah. some Hollywood aspects there. I just didn't like Wonder Boy at all. I didn't think Wonder Boy adds anything. The bat. What does it? What does it really add? And I, and here's what I had about I Roy. Know. Think about so Roy used a proper bat for one swing, and he hit a, the most Titanic home run you've ever seen. Imagine how good he would have been if he used a proper bat his whole life. It's a good point. I never really thought he wasted of that. his time with that stupid Wonder Boy when he obviously he should have been using a real bat. Maybe he got of a tree. Maybe he get some farm power. A little yeah. more BDE using something. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Did, I also had the trajectory of the balls when they were doing the cinematography were really bad. They didn't match what a home run would look like. A lot of the trajectory of the balls were heading, still heading up when they'd hit the seats and stuff. I'm like, okay, no, that, like, the trajectory would be on, on the downslope. They were hitting yeah. the roof going up, things like that. Like, these are big, high home runs he's hitting. And, yeah. and down. some of the cuts that he was hitting home runs, he was hitting like, I'll say other way hits like yeah. he like he was coming all the way around and through them, but they were really high, and so I'm like, you're just getting out, or you're hitting a, oh, like yeah. a piss rocket right over the the wall. Like it's yeah. uh, totally playing when there's active lightning in the over the stadium. Even back in the day, they would have delayed that game. Never happened. We're metal no. cleats, yeah, <laughs> lightning rods, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, the the thing where like Pop wouldn't even let Roy take BP for a week, like. You don't even, you're just like, this guy can't be any good. He's 35. At least let him take BP. You have nothing to lose by watching him yeah, take everybody BP. Takes He's BP. already there. He's there, yeah. He's already there. He's getting crammed down your throat whether you like it or not. You might yeah. as well. Modern day times, you just put him with the last group and they do yeah. BP at the end. In the book, actually, he takes BP right away. And in the book, Pop doesn't, kind of warms up to him a lot quicker. And, uh, but it's, they, they, they made it different in the movie. They, he just wouldn't even let him take BP in the movie. And then in the book, he actually takes BP this, the next day that he gets there. So, mm. And Iris not knowing about Roy getting his shot, I felt like that would be kind of big news. He would have likely gone home after to recruit. Like getting shot, sorry. Not getting his shot. Getting shot by the girl. Like that would have been national news. Like this, somebody getting shot in a hotel room in Chicago and he's a budding baseball player. Well, especially yes. after striking out who we the think way. is. Yeah, yeah, Babe Ruth. Like. Here's my other thing, my and I was kind of saving this for the, later, but I'm going to bring it up now because you you segued to Iris there. He says right before he leaves that he's going to send for her, right? Yeah. Yes. And so she ends up in Chicago, and he never does. So are we to assume that he actually sent for her, and then she doesn't know anything about him? Like, how does she end up getting to Chicago, yet she still has the farm, like? We don't yeah. know what she ever actually does for a job or anything else. She's got a pretty nice apartment, I guess. But like, yeah, she does. There's, well, yeah, there's, yeah, there's so many inconsistencies there that they don't take the time to develop. No, yeah, really good they, point. They leave a 15 year gap in the movie, and they don't even give you a hint. They leave no. it up to you to figure it out. And there are a lot of like stories gaps there in the book. They actually do. They don't go into depth about the years, but they they do hint out that he tries to come back as a pitcher. And he's basically has the yips, so he, he kind of has a Rick and Kill 
well, type thing, but would, it takes longer for him to get to that Rick Ankiel moment of becoming a stud. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. Because, again, this is, and this is, my wife said to me, she's like, when we're watching it, she's like, I don't get it. Like, they're selling him as this huge prospect pitcher, and then all of a sudden he's just a right fielder. And I said, yeah, they don't really ever explain that. No. In the book, they do kind of, he kicks around as a pitcher trying to do it. He has the yips, and then he ends up switching to outfield and he kicks around in some minor pro leagues to make his way back through so there is something in the and also he takes a lot of odd jobs he quits baseball for a while after he gets the yips takes some odd jobs working at like carnivals and different places and what Mm -hmm. have you like handyman jobs and stuff and then he decides to come back as a hitter whatever motivation gets him there so they do fill the gaps in the book a little bit uh, throughout the story as it goes along, but in the movie they don't even hint at any of it. So here's my last one, and I I was gonna save these ones too, but I'll I'll go into them now. The bloody we talked about the bloody sock or the bloody shirt earlier. Again, my understanding, and maybe I missed something. Uh, he goes to the hospital because she gives him something to eat that doesn't sit well with his stomach, and somehow wrecks his stomach lining. What are we to assume that he's bleeding from his stomach for? Mm-hmm. Right. If anything, he's going to be bleeding out his mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah if it's a stomach lining. Out. Like, are we to assume that the gunshot womb somehow opens up 16 years later on its own? And <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. It no. doesn't make any no, sense. It like, it's just stupid. And I kind of got the feeling. It's lazy writing. Because they have that scene where Memo's feeding him food. I got the feeling that she poisoned him. Yes. Yeah, it was like some sort of food poison. Yes. Like, they don't say it, but it's kind of implied. And it's also the, like, fastest acting poison ever because yeah. he, like, has it and literally, like, drops down two seconds later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, that's bizarre. It's and the silver bullet, like, they, they didn't find it. He got shot, and they're like, ooh. Like, they didn't think about <laughs> looking around his stomach where he got shot. Maybe there's a bullet lodged Taking in a there. quick peek. <laughs> you might want to look in there. Uh, no, we'll just sew it up. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into our soundtrack now. So the movie was... Composed by Randy Newman. Uh, Newman's been nominated for 22 Academy Awards and won an Academy Award for Best Original Song twice. Once in 2001 for If I Didn't Have You, Monsters, Inc. And again in 2010 for We Belong Together, Toy Story 3. No, you belong to me. Or not you. Uh, What's the one from Toy Story? The you got original? a friend in me. I love that you one. You got yeah. a friend in yeah, me. Yeah, you didn't win for that one. You should have won for that one, I thought. Uh, director Barry Levinson took a lot of heat for hand-picking Newman, who at the time was kind of known for his lighthearted, quirky scores. Uh, there are so many scenes in the film where the music was key, I thought, uh, from the sweet, simple uh, arrangement uh, when Roy, young Roy's playing catch with his dad to the dark, stormy night after his father's death when the tree uh, splits and Wonder Boy is born uh, to the aforementioned scene where Hobbs strikes out the whammer to the majestic crescendo that blankets Hobbs as he cruises around the bases after his climatic home run you know i thought it, there was a lot of really good uh, songs that kind of tied everything into the to the themes of the movie and the kind of the yeah I don't know, like the yeah it fits the mood very fits well it. yeah 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 i had uh again i'll be quick on this one i just had the classic instrumental music that was well placed for the era that's what i wrote they were just well placed and well timed um i don't have a ton i really thought it was fine i thought it was great yep. and wasn't I kind of like that there just wasn't any, like, I don't know. I just like the instrumental music portions of it instead of actual like blur- songs with lyrics and stuff in it. I thought it was just fine. There wouldn't be a whole lot in this era, right? The stuff that there would have, we'd be talking about would be, like, early, early folk stuff, and that's not mm-hmm. really going to fit the, the 
the type of movie that they're going for or yeah. big band jazz ballads that don't have a lot of um, lyrics to begin with. So it just, there, it didn't, everything fit. Like it was perfect. It was one of those, you just needed background music and they mm-hmm. did a really, really good job at composing the music. Like the, the song we played in the opening of this episode, right? Like you hear that song and you automatically like think like, I'm going to go out and like, just, I don't know, lift a thousand pounds or like pick up a car or something like <laughs> Rudy does that. Yeah, like it's just it's got like it's got that vibe to it, right? Like yeah. you can go it's got yeah. greatness written all over it. Like yeah. those it's just a bunch of perfectly timed like you said songs and songs that are good for the moments of yeah. the film. For sure. Yeah. Let's get into our movie wrap up. So where does this movie rank among all-time baseball movies and where do you have it among all-time sports movies? Uh baseball movies for me it might be 10 maybe just outside the top 10 for me i enjoy it i really do um i enjoy i i I enjoy i think i've said it enough that romantic notion of playing ball back in the day it really brings that home for me it's not in the upper echelons of baseball movies for me i like redford i like the actors actresses it was great all-time sports movies it's way down i don't even know where i put it Uh, probably in the top 50 somewhere maybe it's not that high up for me so i enjoy it it's entertaining I probably won't watch it again for a while now after having watched it. It's a long movie. Way too long for me. I think it's like, I'd like a 20 or 25 minutes shorter personally, but that's just me. Yeah. So yeah, I have it down. I enjoyed it, but I do have it outside my top 10 and nodded in my, probably maybe 50 or below in my old timers. It's got a running time longer than Titanic. It's Does it? a, yes, it's really? a long movie. Uh, I actually had to split it up into two nights because mm-hmm. I don't have the attention span anymore. I mean, I love the nostalgia, like you said, the romantic notion. I love just the nostalgia of that time period in history, right? Um, That like post-war, pre-war, just like just the feel, right? It just there's something so simple and yet so um, communal about that time. I I just love it. Um, I love that there's something so pure about baseball at that point in time, right? We don't have like these big jacked up, gassed up guys. So yeah, I, I love that aspect of it. This movie in particular, there's just so many holes in the plot for me. There's so many holes that are just, it's, there's so many instances where it's just lazy writing. Um, it's got a fantastic cast. I mean, like the actors have the chops. I don't know why they didn't try and like put a little bit better writing to this, but you know, it's, so I, I don't know. I can't rank it really high. It's def, it might make like top 15 of baseball movies, top in between 10 and 15 all time sports movies. I don't know. It's, outside 75 maybe 50 mm-hmm. it's for sure like it's not it's not one i would willingly go recommend or see i'll i'll watch it if i have to but it's long yeah no i agree with you guys i'm probably hovering on baseball movies somewhere between 10 and 15 like you mentioned web uh, as far as all-time sports somewhere around 50 like you said jr um yeah it's, i mean having read the book and watched the movie it w- in the same week essentially i think there's things that they as far as adaptation goes, I think they missed out on a few opportunities that the book captured that they could have done a little better in the movie. And then I also thought there were things that um, they brought in from the book that I'm like, that's one I would have left on the cutting room floor and I would have done uh, done the adaptation a little bit differently. So I, th- I, I didn't think the script was adapted very well. Or as as good as that could that it could have been. I think it left a lot, which is crazy given how long there. it is. Yeah, right. Like yeah. it's just yeah. 
I think the actors basically saved the movie. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. 100%. There's some good. You really had some good real big, big deal actors in this one. Yeah. Totally. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening, and engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks and on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. Uh, James has been all over the uh, the Twitter and uh, Instagram feeds lately, so hit him up. Hit him up. He's not working hard enough at his day job, so he, he needs he needs a little bit more uh, engagement here, folks. So get after him. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving, boys. Take care, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League